The bell is rung, and welcome to another edition of the Icon Showdown podcast, where this month we are pitting uh, the most mainstream, iconic horror films of the years uh, against one another, determining which should get that top spot. So tonight, with me is co-host Josh Kirkland, my fellow band member from Compudacto. How are we doing tonight, Josh? Uh, Very well, very well. That's what I like to hear. Um, So tonight's two movies that we are pairing off that we both have watched uh, recently um, is Blair Witch. The release date of the Blair Witch was August 30th of 2019 versus House on Haunted Hill, which was released October 29th. So we're going to go ahead and start with the Blair Witch. And as we do on this show, we break it down in terms of criteria. Uh, we like to go through the antagonist, the ensemble, the surviving characters, settings, deeper meanings, and then finally the fright factor. So let's talk about the Blair Witch herself. Or are you going to make the case that somebody else is the villain? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think the villain is this disembodied or whatever it is it's uh yeah that's true we never actually see her and the the villain could be uh, like the these kids prank playing a prank these people playing a prank oh my goodness oh so your theory is that there is no witch and they're pretty much uh trying to get a little bit of attention by making it seem as such but they disappeared no just saying that's one possibility that's really interesting i don't think i've heard that before really open I, i i don't see it as like they didn't show anything you know well what do we actually see we see the rock formations right we see the uh, bundle of sticks that's what was in it when she unwraps that bundle of sticks kind of later in the movie what was that like organs internal internal organs body parts it wasn't teeth like you just had your wisdom teeth pulled out this week to me i feel like i saw a wisdom tooth in there was i crazy i didn't see it (laughs) you didn't see the tooth i don't know for some reason i saw teeth um nevertheless we have these kind of like symbolic uh hanging humanoid uh stick people too hanging from the trees as well but we never see the actual witch so i think there is some some validity to your your theory that maybe perhaps they are just trying to get a little bit of clout that or you know it could be supernatural it could be you know not supernatural it could, I, mean, I think it's really wide open that's true. Let's let's run with the idea that there's actually a Blair Witch, okay? Um, if there is, would you have rather had seen it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I would rather have seen something. Um, yeah, in the new version, the one that came out in 2016, the reboot of it, you do get to see it. So there's no ambiguity there. And you wouldn't be able to theorize about whether or not um, they were kind of making this up. But I guess, theoretically, they could have been using CGI and doing the same sort of, like, con that you're talking about. Like a little um, what a- ambiguity. Could've Say it again? Con- I like a little bit of ambiguity. It could have been like a, it could have shown like the edge of something, the edge of a costume or something. I, I don't know. This is. It would uh, have required a fourth person there with them to do the footsteps sort of stuff, or I guess they could do all that in post production, right? Footsteps and the crunching in the house. Wouldn't they have to have a fourth person there, kind of pretending to be the Blair Witch? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, it depends on how. You know, what is the edit? I don't know. Is the, is the film edited? I, I don't know. I feel like you could analyze it. I mean, de- definitely, if you analyzed it, I'm sure I'm sure it's edited. I'm sure it was made in a studio. Of course, oh, yeah, the actual film. But I think we have to run with the premise that is given at, at the beginning that it is found footage. That's something I want to ask you later, but I might as well just ask it now. If it was found footage, it must have been found in that house. And how did that person survive finding that camera with the found footage? I mean, that's, yeah, that's what you would assume because that's where that's- the camera would have ended up. Most likely. That's a problem. That gives credence to your theory, actually. 
Um, what about the originality? Assuming that the Blair Witch is real and the lore that they explore at the beginning of the film is legit, kids start disappearing around... Um, it's a town in Maryland. I want to say Brackettsville? Bucketsville? What was it? Uh, I don't remember. I, I, I could have remembered Maryland, but... Oh, it's Burkittsville, Maryland, um, which is appropriate because, of course, you had the Salem witch trials happening in... Oh, no, was that Massachusetts or was that Maryland? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was Salem, Salem, Massachusetts, wasn't it? Massachusetts. Okay, so it doesn't have as much of a connect to witch lore. Might have been smarter to set it in Massachusetts. Um, but as, in terms of like this witch that kind of torments you for, for nights on end, kind of confuses your mind and gets you to kind of walk in circles ending up at her house, almost like the witch in Hansel and Gretel sort of leading you to um, doom. What do you think the witch does with the people once she gets them? Assuming she's real, what what happens there in that house with the witch? I, I don't know. See, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the the whole, even the whole concept of the witch was pretty abstract, you know? I, I didn't really, uh, didn't really give me the imagery of like a character, you know? I'm only going off of what I'm seeing on the walls and just the idea of like voodoo um, based on the, 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 the wicker people that she has hanging. Um, just like a, an idea of like collecting souls, harvesting people, and then possibly eating them. Witches are known to eat people, right? I mean, especially if you want to relate it to the Hansel and Gretel um, as well. Right? No? Don't you think based on you see some skulls in that house, don't you? Perhaps she is feasting. Isn't in this in one of the stories? Wasn't it? Didn't they say it was a like a male character that was the one that put the kids in the corner and murdered the other one? Was it? Were, I must. I missed that. I thought they were talking about a male. I thought they said he during that. Oh, um, oh, wow. So a male witch, but that would have been a warlock. I really, I really always assumed it no. was a female witch. You're spinning my head in us. And no, I no, what to think now. <laughs> No, I think it's a character besides the witch. I think the witch is working. I don't know. I think she had. There was a dude that they they mentioned. I don't remember his name. I don't remember much about him. But there was like some other character. So it's potentially a serial killer that's kind of using the Blair Witch to scare the shit out of people, and then ultimately using his method of getting people to stand in the corner as he did because we'll talk about that in the fright factor that is kind of a freaky scene but what is going on there was he just taking a piss what the hell was going on there uh they they told he just you just stand and wait to be killed wait to be killed ultimately bludgeon in the back of the head or have his brain sucked out by the by the witch or whatever it is serial killer um okay so let's go ahead and let's just rate this puppy now the blair witch whether it exists it doesn't exist what we know of it what are we giving it out of four pentagrams I gave it a 2.5. I gave it a 3. I gave it a 3. So we're kind of on the right track. Let's bust over and talk about the uh, House on Haunted Hills antagonist. Who was it? Um, I guess it had to be the house. Okay, the house. But why did? where does the house uh, demonosity, or I don't know the, the right terminology for it, where does the darkness from the house really root from? I don't know. Maybe the first person that it absorbed. Possibly. Don't I? Don't you feel? Well, I guess it uh, probably absorbed all those mental patients when they burned. Right. Yeah, I think it was Doctor Vanicut. Ultimately, the way he was experimenting on all of his psychotic patients, um, just so many people had died at his hands that had these mental issues that it kind of got absorbed into the house. I'm assuming that's what initially manifested the darkness, and then once they actually rally and kill Doctor Vanicut and his, you know, willing nurses as well, um, it becomes that much more powerful because you have this, like, evil 
intelligent being within this psychotic mass too. Um, what do you think the motivation of the house or the darkness is? Mm, I don't know. To capture the souls that it wants. What's the point? A big party? I don't. I don't know. I didn't. Does it get bigger the more souls it has? Is it like a blob sort of situation where it, the darkness gets larger? Maybe it can actually leave the house at some point if it has enough souls. I don't know. I like the idea of the blob, but I, I don't necessarily see it moving around. But it could more easily absorb what it wants. You know, it gets more and more powerful. It can kill those people and take their soul a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, it is ultimately an amalgamation of horrific ghosts, but there are good ghosts in there too, right? I find it interesting that Jeffrey Rush's Victor uh, Price is good as a human sort of at the end when he does try to save people and tell them, come up here, come up here, this is where the escape is. But then when he's in it, he becomes darkness as well. But Chris Kattan's character remains good within the darkness. That I found a little strange. But maybe at the root of Victor Price's character, he was he was bad to begin with. He was an evil character it's down deep. In Price. Uh, yeah, well, that's what's interesting is this is a remake of the 1959 um, House on Hunted Hill where Vincent Price plays Jeffrey Rush's character, who's now Victor Price. Initially, the, the first character was called Loren. Um, so they're, they're giving homage to uh, Vincent Price, who initially had that role. Vincent Price in this movie, though, wasn't it? It was which one? Stephen Price. Stephen Price. My bad. I don't know. If I thought it was Victor for some reason. Um, okay, <laughs> Stephen Price. Nevertheless, they are paying homage to the last name there. What did you think that it looked like? The darkness. What does it look like to you? Because I thought it was very specifically um, designed. Yeah, cause see, for most of the movie, I thought that Stephen Price was in control, and that was like because at the beginning they show you he's like a trickster, you know, and mm -hmm. he's. And make all his like make illusions, and I thought it was that, but then he ends up dying, but not dying. Yeah, uh, because he's like an ultimate producer. He owns theme parks too, which I find is a really kind of interesting archetype that isn't used enough. This like almost like a Disney, a maniacal Walt Disney sort of figure in a way. Um, but did you notice that the darkness almost looks like a Rorschach test? This movie has so much to do with uh, psychology when the darkness actually manifests there at the end. And it, it's, it, um, what do you call that? Uh, it, the, the, each side of it is, is, is the same, right? What do you it call that? Like, it, uh, fractalic. It was fractalic and then each side was the exact same design. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in the same way that each side of a, a Rorschach test, it's, it's similar, right? I'm, for yeah. some reason that word has escaped me right now. Symmetrical, thank you, sir. Um, so yeah, the darkness is symmetrical on each side, which I think the way that the blackness kind of curled and like you said, had that fractal effect, really kind of was like a living Rorschach test. What do you see? Are you seeing evilness or are you like Chris Kattan who just gets sucked up into it, but happens to be good and see something different and is able to utilize goodness through it? Ultimately he is. Did you see the Rorschach or no? Did that not like click when you first saw it? You just thought it was like I didn't a... see it as a Rorschach. Is what do they call those bad guys in Harry Potter? The Dementors? The Dementors. It kind of had that vibe a little bit too, right? Uh, I didn't watch the Harry Potter movies that much. Fair what? enough. They're kind of similar. It it has like a Grim Reaper-y sort of vibe, right? Yeah, I'll give it that. Um... Uh, what do you think about the vocalization of it? What, what, what do they? How do we hear this thing talk? 
Mm, I don't. I don't know. It sounds distorted. I don't. I don't know. Because the whole thing, I, the whole time, I thought something different was happening than what ended up happening. Oh, what do you mean by that? I just thought it was all special effects, you know. But oh, okay. The, the, you know, doing doing the special. Did effects. you think it was him or her? Which of the prices, Lady Price or the man of the house? Because Most- they both had their wily ways. Well, yeah, I mean, it seemed like he was in control, and it seemed like she was in control, and then he was, like, in control again. Who's more evil between that couple? Mm, probably her. Evelyn. Evelyn Price is pretty damn evil. Ultimately, she ropes in a guy to help her take out her husband and then stabs him when they pretty much had, had it accomplished. I think she's he's never murderous, right? He right. is like about to kill her, tosses her through the wall to release the darkness. But when the darkness is approaching her, he actually kind of cares for her in that moment. He has some empathy and doesn't seem to want to kill her like he initially did. But she straight up scalpels that guy in the kidneys. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I don't know what was up with that. Um so Let's let's focus then on the amalgamation, the darkness itself as being the antagonist when we score it. But I could argue that Evelyn, Evelyn's why they're all there, right? Evelyn's the one that saw that um, like mist or unsolved mystery sort of show at the beginning of the movie and said, "Hey, Daddy, I want my uh, birthday to be at this haunted palace." Right? Yeah. She's really the reason everybody's there, and then she is murderous on top of it. In terms of the people, <laughs> she's the worst person. Yeah, but then she died. Like, she was. She was like the third one to die. Fourth, I guess. Um, yeah, I think the fourth. I think the fourth. She gets sucked in. Did you like the way that the uh, the killer, the darkness, sucked people in? Kind of turned them to ash. Uh, I mean, it was cool effect. You know, I haven't it was seen decent, it so especially for nineteen ninety nine, right? Yeah, you can't go wrong. So what are we going to give the darkness? Actually, first I want to ask the originality. And let's talk a little bit about Vanacut because he could be considered the other antagonist in there, the mad scientist that would ultimately do these horrible tests on psychotic patients. He's frankly the scariest, right? Because I feel like he controls the darkness more than anyone. Vanacut? Uh, Dr. Vanacut. So the actual... Oh, oh, the guy from the The past. doctor from 1939, right before like Nazi Germany was doing the same sort of stuff. Um on people that they would capture. That was kind of the scarier part of it, just like the flashback. And then at the end, did you stay to the very end, the, the teaser at the end? Oh, I didn't I didn't watch past credits. At the very end, they show uh, Jeffrey Rush's character and Fomke Jansen as the doctor and his main nurse, as Vanacut and his primary nurse from back in 1939. Like, the, the, the roles have overlapped. Like, they have to live through what they went through or something of that nature uh, it was a little ambiguous was it cheesy or was it cool it was all right it was okay i love jeffrey rush and i love fomka jansen and i think i don't know that I mean, guy uh i don't know man his character seemed like a cartoon to me okay kind of cheesy i see that i know where you're coming from there uh, i mean to me though that that archetype existed there was mad nazi scientists that would just straight up cut into people while they're still cognizant without any sort of like painkiller um so what are we given pentagram wise let's actually consider them all what are we given out of four pentagram wise in terms of the antagonist in this movie i wrote down a two wow uh i gave it a three i gave it a three i have a 
three for both of them, actually. I thought in terms of the antagonists, they were even. Let's pop back over to Blair Witch, talk about the ensemble. Um, what do you think about our three characters here? We have Heather Donahue, we have Michael, and then Josh, her crew, essentially. Right. What did you think about them and the dynamic that was created because they're supposed to be playing themselves, right? These are their yeah. actual names. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I liked it. You know, I thought, uh, you know, like only three characters, you know, did a, they did a pretty good job. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just kind of the nature of the found footage where, you know, it's like just really intense conversations. You don't need a lot of different ideas, different characters. True. Um, yeah, it was super intimate, right? And I think we do get a good sense of Heather's selfishness and her annoying side and that she's not really a strong director, which when we get into deeper meanings, we can talk about that more. Um, but I do also think that they established the bond between Michael and Josh pretty well, and that's interesting. And There was almost like this male bonding against Heather, even though she was the leader sort of thing. Um, they both have that common enemy in Heather, but eventually they, of course, all have to come together when... You know they've gone in a circle and they find out they're in that same spot. You get a, you get a good sense of Josh's relationship back in Civilization too with his girlfriend and Michael's adoration of his family, loving his mom's mashed potatoes. Did I miss anything with like what's going on with Heather outside of this documentary? Is this her whole life? I mean, in the film, yeah, that that was her whole life. She's the least fleshed out, right? Kinda in terms of giving a backstory. Yeah. Definitely. Um, what about their relationship dynamics? Did you did you think anyone was more profound than the other, or they did something new in terms of relationals? No, I, I don't know. It wasn't really deep in that in that way. There wasn't. I mean, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's a different, you know, it's a different genre of of movie like this. The found footage. True. I mean, uh, really, the first one to do it. It wasn't it. Uh, I would say in the horror genre, as far as I know, off the top of my head, I think uh, it is pretty iconic in that sense. you got to go to bonus points for that. Um, but I, I, I didn't necessarily feel it was as shallow as somebody who's worked with strangers to create like an artistic project before in film. I felt like the desperacy of the young documentarians um, was kind of interesting in that they were put together in a way that they might not otherwise, as they didn't have as friendly of a nature. As I lost you for about 10 seconds there. Oh, I was just explaining that I think the desperacy of the young documentarians was actually kind of compelling to me as someone who has worked with strangers to make art. Um, uh, and I also found Michael is sort of an idiot and self-destructive by throwing away that map. Um, we can talk more about surviving characters, even though there's really not any in there. What about their acting ability? Did you think they were good actors? Man, throwing away that map? Like, who would do that? <laughs> like, who the fuck would do that? Somebody that wanted to die. Make any sense. Or piss off Heather. Maybe he was so misogynistic that he did it to burn Heather. Because I think there is some misogyny going on in here. Maybe. Acting ability? Who's who's your favorite of the three? I think they're all pretty good. They, they were all... Uh, you know, they're all different, but all, you know, all in, together in the same situation. You know, all had to convey stress but they still retain their own character. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I think they're all kind of on par with one another. Decent job. The most cringy scene, the only scene where I was like, Ugh, 
I don't know if I like this acting is when she's talking directly to the camera and there's snot coming out of her nose. They spoofed <laughs> that in like scary movie, but it was just hard to watch. And of course, in terms of diversity for the ensemble, no people of color, no LGBTQ, anything of that nature. That's true. What are we no, giving back it? To back to that close up. Oh yeah. That you hate, I don't know. That's like, uh, so iconic. That's like the icon- iconic thing. And I had the quote. It's the poster. I thought she said, I am so scared. But she said, I am so sorry. And she said it twice. Yeah, I see the defense for it. I do. Um, and it is the it is the poster, right? And I think when we talk about deeper meanings, we don't see her mouth, right, at all. It's almost like she's right. been muted by the forces of evil and then potentially the metaphor there for misogyny. So what are we giving it in terms of uh, pentagrams? For the ensemble? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave it a three. So did I. I'm right there with you. Let's talk about the ensemble for a house of House on Haunted Hill. Um, first of all, who did you like the most? Mm, I don't. I don't know. I didn't really like anyone that much. I, I think I like Sarah. She was all right. Okay, played by Ali Larder via yeah. Heroes fame and Final Destination. I loved the married couple. I thought Evelyn and Victor were really an interesting couple. And I mean, it made so much sense that she was only into him for the money, but he's charismatic enough to be able to retain for her as long as she did. And they have this weird, like, give and take that I found compelling. Even though you don't really get too into the weeds with it, I think in terms of the dynamics of all the characters, their relationship was the most fleshed out. And I like both of them as performers. So I don't know. I was kind of all in anytime they were speaking to each other. Did you, did you believe that she would have ever been with him? see that's the thing though like they they didn't i mean they could have not been married they could have had almost any different i mean even if they weren't married that wouldn't i don't think that would change their on-screen interactions that much that's interesting yeah but it does set up the twists in the movies though and it keeps people guessing on whether or not what's happening is real or not and who's really behind it between those two no i mean it does give a, a good background like uh like they're trying to get it get each other Get, af- get at, get to, get back at. Murder each other, pretty much. Yeah. Um, who, who's gonna get that booty? Um. So what about what about, you mentioned, Ali Larder? Did you believe her relationship that was burgeoning with Tay Diggs, character Eddie? Nah, well, I don't know. I wasn't really a fan. It was just like right at the beginning. It was just like what? Like I don't know. He's grabbing her ass right, 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 quick. Right. Yeah. That was not. An endearing thing to do for a character, if you ask me. Then it totally um, what about Bridget Wilson? I love Bridget Wilson. I recently watched I Know What You Did last summer, and she's Sarah Michelle Gellar's sister who gets murdered in that puppy. And she gets murdered pretty quick in this. Do you, did you like her, though, when you, when you saw her? No, I, I like her. But, uh, yeah, she did go pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, she kind of had a halfway interesting character in that she's, you know, failed at what she wanted to do and now is glomming on to any sort of opportunity to get back in the spotlight. I appreciated that, but it was still kind of vapid. It was still a little too shallow for me. And then, of course, let us not forget Chris Kattan. <laughs> what do you think about his character? Uh, it's, uh, it's really hard to take Chris Kattan seriously, <laughs> but I don't think he did too bad. 
Yeah, no, I thought he was good for that role. I mean, it, it almost made me want to see him in more smaller character roles like this, you know? As we haven't really seen much of him since then at all. I, I enjoyed him as the owner of the hotel, or not the hotel, but the house on the Haunted Hill, the uh, former uh, psych ward, ultimately. I thought it was, he knew what was up, but he wanted to rent it and get a little extra scratch, even though his dad and his granddad have, have died from there. I don't know. I thought he, he filled out the cast in a way we needed. He was the comedic well, relief. That I, I was impressed, actually. You know, surprised. He wasn't bad at all. He was legit scared, too. And he was, I don't know, he took in that fear in an interesting way. Um, anything else you want to mention about that ensemble? Who was the worst actor for you? The worst actor for me? Might have been Tay Diggs. Fair. I got mixed feelings about Allie Larder. That's why I think you, you thinking Sarah was the best. I was like, Ooh, I don't know. She's always the same to me. But I agree that Tay Diggs didn't do anything profound here at all. The only good thing about the relationship that was burgeoning is when she is following him to that vat of blood. That is one of my favorite scenes. When she thinks he jumps into the vat of blood, but it's really just a ghost messing with her. And then she tries to get him out and it's like half sucked in herself. I thought that's a good scene. Did that do anything for you? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that that was a, uh, it was fun, <laughs> funny. And at Bro. least we have some diversity in this compared to Blair Witch too, right? Even though you're not a huge Tay Diggs fan, uh, you got to <laughs> give it that point. <laughs> That's, uh, I, it was hard for me to pick. I don't know. No, that's fair. Uh, what do we give it, pentagrams wise? I gave it a two point five. So did I. Our minds are aligned uh, for this for this evening. Um, let's pop back over to surviving characters for Blair Witch. This is going to be a short one because does anybody live? No. Well, I don't know. No, I mean apparently not. Right. If we go by the objective reality of what we're seeing and the preface at the top, nobody escapes. Um, but as noted, I'm curious to see who found that found footage and how they survived going to that house to find it. Um, right. And. and theory heather could have set the whole thing up because we never see her die right maybe heather's the witch maybe yeah yeah see it's way open it is um and frankly we don't actually see michael die either or we don't actually see any death um right. so it is it is super ambiguous do you think these surviving characters and let's talk specifically about heather because she is the last one to be theoretically alive we hear her screaming but we don't actually see her in any sort of like ominous state uh, beyond just vocals if heather is kind of our surviving character or the one we're going to remember the most do you feel like she's iconic as a final girl yeah she's not bad i think she is too i think she is somebody that people remember because she was playing herself you know what i mean within a horror and that was something that was fairly fresh at the time um and while she hasn't done that much since i feel like heather she's donahue not- just that name is always associated with that movie remember her from sunny She's Who's on Sunny? It. It's always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. She was on what about she, it. She was in there. She was. Yeah. I missed that. What what part does she play? Season one, the chick who tries to trick Charlie into thinking he has a kid. No kidding. Yeah, that's her. I have to rewatch that now. Um, I noticed the one with the biggest career ends up being Josh, not Michael. Uh, but Josh has like kind of a big career relative to the other two. Um, when you look him up on. Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb. What are we giving the surviving characters in terms of uh, pointage? Kind of grammage. I, I gave it a four. Just because. Why? 
just because it's uh just because it, it leaves the because it leaves the question because the, okay the, I, I guess i went the other direction with it i gave it a 1.5 because i didn't think really anyone survived and the only one that you'll really remember is heather i didn't remember the other two guys i saw it when it first came out and then this week I didn't remember the other two guys and like what they were, but I remembered like this failed female documentarian. So to me, that 1.5 just like goes to her. But I hear where you're coming from, the ambiguity of it. I never watched this until yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, well that's kind of interesting in itself that it resonated with you like that. Surviving characters in House on Haunted. What do we got? Uh, we've got the Tay Diggs and the Alley Larder. Yep, we got Eddie and Sarah. Ultimately, Sarah is able to get out with the help of Price, who really is the one who seems to want to live the most out of everybody there. He has the most to live for. He's the bajillionaire, right, with the theme parks with his name on him. Uh, he's the one that figures out, i got to go to the attic, got to find the police system, is able to get the police to work haphazardly. Sarah gets out, comes back down, uh, the shutters come back down, trapping Eddie in there. And then, of course, who comes to the rescue? The, go- the house? The ghost of Chris Kattan, right? Yeah. Pulling pulling the lever. Somehow he's able to pull that lever. Um, of those two, I guess you mentioned you think Tay Diggs is worse than her, but I think he, she's worse than Tay Diggs in terms of acting ability. This You also saw this for the first time, too, right? Yeah. No, I don't know. Maybe see maybe I liked her more at the beginning and him less at the beginning and maybe I don't know. I think they definitely like I liked him a little more at the end than I liked her probably. Fair. Um do you feel like these are final characters that are going to go down and test time, you know, in the annals of forever? No. No. Um so what'd you give them in terms of surviving characters pointage? Who I give it a 2 too, which I feel is almost like generous now looking at it. I kind of. The considerations. Um, let's pop back, talk about the setting of Blair Witch, which I think is super effective. Um, what what did you think about the mood that was set? Um, I thought it was pretty good, you know, like uh, they found a good spot to film, you know, out, you know, lots of seclusion and. Exactly. And. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I thought the woods make the cast seem very vulnerable and out of their element. Even though Heather claims to be a pro hiker herself, she ultimately fails um, at something she's supposed to be good at, that hiking and filmmaking, sort of. Um, Because even when she is filming, that is some hack camera work, right? Uh, (laughs) She's not that great of a a filmer. And I also think, like, the the fall season is perfect because it allows the crunching of the leaves to be heard and the coldness of the night. Uh, to be super visceral, but not enough to like kill them and freeze them to death. It seemed like pure torture in terms of the season setting combo. Um, the aesthetic, how did you like what we were able to see v- via her shaky cam? I mean, I thought it was effective. You know, it definitely gave it sense of like give the gives the viewer a sense of panic, and like I don't know. Did it drive you nuts when it went to black when we didn't know what was going on? There was pure blackness. I mean, of course, but, I mean, that's for effect. And, of course, in terms of uniqueness, you got to give it points, right? What do you think in terms of the uniqueness of the setting? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like a, a whole new genre of film. Like, I don't know. I saw Paranormal Activity and shit way before I saw this mm. movie. And I know yeah. this one is, like, kind of the original. I Definitely. Don't know, very, 
influential. I, mean, I, I don't know. I think this movie probably really influenced um, uh, the village. That oh, probably. M. Night Shyamalan. Um, yeah, I think for the time, other than dramas like Deliverance or The River Wild or that one with Anthony Hopkins and the Bear, this was like the first to really, really utilize the natural space and make it super ominous in like a horror aspect. Um, they've done it since, like you mentioned. The one that's really, really similar to this is a found footage movie about Sasquatch called um, Willow Creek, which is kind of like note by note the same as this but instead of the witch it's the sasquatch um it's good but and and the quality of it's way better too in terms of the production value it's uh directed by bobcat goldthwaite but you got to give this the bonus points for uniqueness because it was the first of its kind so what do you give it for pentagrams i give it a three me too um all right so we're talking about literally with house on haunted hill this is the, the the setting is the bad guy what did you think about the mood that was set there and like the set pieces and just the whole ambience of it? I mean, I really appreciated the, like, as far as like the cinematography, I really appreciated the detail, you know, like there was a yes. lot of detail in the, like the environs, especially coming off of Blair Witch. Um, yeah. You know, I thought crazy I thought, production value here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I appreciated the aesthetic. Yeah, as did I. It felt like the an ultimate haunted house in a way that even other haunted house movies, like The Haunting at the time, I feel like, isn't half as good as House on Haunted Hill. Um, just the way that they're able to utilize the basement and the main like uh, lobby area and even the room that uh, Famke Jansen's character is sleeping in, like the luxury suite or whatever, I thought they did really well uh, getting throughout the entirety of the building. And then, of course, we get to the attic at the end. I thought I thought the setting really came alive. Yeah, yeah, it was it was vibrant, and it was also nice to see the setting in two different time periods as well. To see it back in 1939, when we got crazy Vanicut chopping people, chopping the poor psych patients up, and then of course that translating to what's going down in 1999, 50 years later, um, or 60 years later rather. Um, okay, so in terms of the uniqueness of that setting, what would you say? Uniqueness. Uh, a haunted psych ward. I mean, it's not anything new. The haunted psych ward, I feel like, is relatively new. Is it? I don't know. I can't think of anything else. Granted, it is a remake, so you got to ding it immediately for just being a remake. Um, what'd you give it then? For the setting, I gave it two point five. I mean, I like the aesthetic. I thought it was really detailed, but it just it didn't. It just it was a little disjointed, just kind of a like a little hot, bit hodgepodgey. Uh yeah, I gave it a three point five. I was super generous because I just feel like the setting <laughs> is more of a character than the characters in a weird way. Let's pop back Wait. over to the Blair Witch and talk about the deeper meanings in the Blair Witch. Did you see anything going on? I didn't really think it had deep meanings. Maybe, uh, maybe if I watched it uh, again and I could pay more attention to the, the beginning with all the stories and mm. uh, the lore, maybe absorb that a little bit more. It didn't really stick uh, when I heard it the first time. I like that you bring that up because ultimately it kind of reminded me of Washington Irving's uh, Sleepy Hollow in a way in creating a lore for an area. Because when you think about like Europe, they have all these fairy tales because people have lived there for so long. But when we're talking about America, we have been here a relatively short time. And you really want 
to have a sort of legend for a zone in a way that I feel like she's trying to do. She's trying to bring this area and Maryland a little bit of clout, like a Salem, Massachusetts, but doing it for Maryland, trying to big up the area. So I did appreciate the idea of just like giving a story to a space in a new way. And I also kind of like, I looked into the idea just of like the overambitiousness and lack of concern for others that Heather has and biting your ass in the end, being reckless about creativity can be a problem. Did you see that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, she told, I mean, she had to eat crow, said she was wrong. It was all her fault. That's true. I um, mean, it could also speak, as I kind of alluded to earlier, speak to the pitfalls really around that time, too, even now to a slightly lesser degree, the pitfalls of women directors and performers even at this time, um, and that they're not given the respect that's deserved and they're not trusted enough, as we see with Michael throwing away the map, even though she knew how to read the map, he still threw it away thinking like, well, if I can't read it, screw it, let me toss it in the river, um, which ends up ruining the entire project. Um, frankly, having a sadistic witch is also not ideal for gender representation. I feel like this is not necessarily criticizing uh, women's abilities, but it's it's satirizing how women's abilities are perceived. Sure, yeah. And I, I feel I, like there's a lot of uh, sex and sex and gender stuff going on there. I don't know. It might, might be a stretch, but I mean, I, I didn't pick up on that at all. But now that you mention it, I mean, it's it's astute. And also in terms of commentary on the times, 1999 is when reality TV starts popping. So just in terms of people wanting to see real personalities there on the screen, it's moving from the TV to the actual cinema as well. Do you have any personal connections to it? Now, I know you've just seen it, but do you remember why you didn't see it when it first came out? Uh, it's not that I didn't want to. It just seemed like, I don't know. I just didn't see a lot of movies and... I definitely remember seeing this at the AMC uh, Cantera uh, near my house, which is essentially my church at the time. But frankly, I have a more profound memory of seeing the newer version in, in 2016 that's really logged in my head in a different way. Even though it's a lesser movie, um, I, for some reason, it's, it sticks with me. It sticks with me more than the initial viewing of the initial one. Um, partly because you get to see The Witch, and that is ingrained in my head. In a way, yes, the guy standing in the corner is ingrained in my head from that first one, but... I like seeing the big bad. Uh, what do you what do you give it in terms of pentagrams? For the deeper meaning, I, I gave it one point five just because it didn't Damn. really like there was much meaning. I mean, I don't know. It, I mean, it was you know it was effective for what it was, but I didn't see it as uh, really that deep. Uh, fair. I mean, only because I saw the gender issues at play, I gave it a three. I did. I was. I was. I saw a lot going on there, and the idea of building a lore, I think, is is really important. Um, what about deeper meanings for House on Haunted Hill? Anything going on there? Well, I thought that one is even more shallow, actually. <laughs> I struggled more with this one, for sure. I mean, it has the connections to history, certainly, with the Nazis um, experimenting on people. Um, you can talk about, like, marital strife, um, marrying for the wrong reasons sort of thing. Um, and also just, like, the desperacy of people to make a million dollars because again this was I think the first year Survivor aired was 1999 where everyone's going to put their life on the line in, in a metaphoric way for or in an actual literal way rather for a million dollars so I do kind of feel like in the first one in 59 it was a $10,000 prize the fact that it was a million dollars the same year that Survivor came out and it's kind of like a reality haunted house of sorts um, I think that might have had might have had a little bit of overlap I'm not sure um, well, it predates Survivor by a year. I thought Survivor came out in 1999. Am I wrong? Well, it certainly oh, in, in England was already out. Oh, maybe. 
I mean, this was it was a craze that was occurring in um, specifically the UK that we then globbed not to. Um, but I, for some reason, I thought it was 1999, but maybe it was 2000. Um, nevertheless, in that zone, reality TV is popping. And I think that's these interactive experiences since then are so huge, too. Um, oh, my gosh. Cat's tail looked like a knife. I thought you were getting your Michael Myers on. Um, so, yeah, what would you give it in terms of deeper meanings, pentagrams? 0.5. Oh, I gave it a 1.5, 1.5, um, which is still kind of generous in itself. Uh, okay, Fright Factor, were you scared by Blair Witch and by what? I wasn't, I, I don't want to call it fear. I mean, it definitely maybe got some adrenaline going, but I, I wasn't, I don't know. There weren't, I mean, I, I, there, were, there weren't even like jump scares, really. It was just kind of like... Uh, it was like a slow burn, but it was, I mean, it was frightening, but not scary or vice versa. I don't know. It was uh, suspenseful. Yeah, I'll give you that. I did find one moment scary when I think that the tent is jostled with and they're forced to abandon the tent and just blindly run into the dark. And I don't know how they all stayed together sort of thing. Um, but then they they ultimately look, oh, shit, it's 3 a.m., we have to just stand here in the dark for two hours, freezing our asses off before we can even go back to the tent. And we don't know if the, the Blair Witch is still at the tent sort of thing. That, like you said, it is suspenseful more than maybe scary, but just the idea of like the just being stuck in the wilderness, not even having that tent there, wondering if am I going to find my way back to it and being cold and scared. I don't know. I, I felt like that was that was effective. And of course, the guy in the corner, that was kind of spooky. No. <laughs> Uh, kind of. I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of spooky, you know, it, like, uh, it's not like you see it and you're like, ah, it's like, you know, cause it's already, it's like in your head kind of. I mean, the implication is he's going to be bludgeoned in the back of the head, like a hammer or something. What, what, what is a witch's tool? What do they use? Well, I, I feel like they talked about that a little bit when somebody was going over the lore. Shoot. I should have paid more attention to the lore. Um, what do we give it in terms of Fright Factor? I'll give it a 3. I give it a 2.5. I give it a 2.5. I think I was initially going to 3, but you kind of talked me down a little bit. Um, Fright Factor for uh, House on Haunted Hill. We have many more kill counts. We actually get to see the kills. Quality of kills I thought was exceptional, too, relative to obviously not getting to see anybody die in Blair Witch. Which was your favorite kill? Uh, <laughs> I, none of them really stand out to me. Didn't they all just kind of like incinerate? Most of them got sucked into the the the, the darkness, the Rorschach. But Bridget Wilson's is pretty freaky because she has her camera and she is filming what happened sixty years ago. She can see it through the actual camera lens, but then when she looks in reality there, it's not there. And then she turns around, and there's that horrible... It, it's like a precursor to the Demigorgon sort of thing. The, whatever that was that scared the crap out of her. Um, and, of course, we get a cutaway there. We don't actually get to see what happened to her beyond the blood streak afterwards, which goes up into the wall, a la like a Freddy Krueger sort of. You can mess with uh, gravity. I, I felt like just that monster was... That would have given me a heart attack right there. Yeah, that did, to me did, was the scariest. I did forget about that monster. That was pretty good. And then especially later when they showed the video and it's just like her hand and her screaming and the blood was pretty uh, mm -hmm. 
It's a pretty good kill. Yeah, I think so. Um, in the music design, obviously there's more music to this one. There's no sort of music design in Blair Witch at all. Was there a score that I missed? Because I didn't really hear anything. And it's found footage. It wouldn't make sense that it would be. Uh, I feel like there was like some uh, like indie pop music uh, at the beginning, just like okay. stuff in the background. Fair enough. Um, all right. So, what are you giving that one, Fright Factor wise? I also gave it a three. I gave that one a three too, especially because the beginning opener is pretty good too, with the elevator thing where he psychs out ultimately James Marsters, Spike from Buffy is the cameraman, and then the woman that's interviewing about the new roller coaster. I've been on that roller coaster. So actually, I do have more of a personal connection to this than I thought. That's the Hulk at Universal Studios Island of Adventure. And it does shoot you up. It doesn't pull you up. It shoots you up, which is amazing. And that first drop where you like essentially swoop over a lake, it's it's honestly probably my favorite roller coaster. So I think it, it was really cool. It, it was really, really cool. badass. Um, so just in terms of that, I love the idea of this theme park owner, uh, interactive experience guy, then like applying that to an opportunity to either kill his wife or give her the opportunity to try and kill him. I don't know. Um, I thought it was kind of scary. Just even the dynamics between the husband and wife makes me scared to fall in love again. You know, <laughs> um, I gave it a three as well. So as a whole, how many did you give um, Blair Witch? Did you add it up? I did. Blair Witch got a whopping 17 points from me. Oh my goodness, and I gave it a 16. How much did you give House and Haunted? Ooh, I only got a 12.5. I got a 15.5 on that, but nevertheless, the bell has rung. The most iconic mainstream horror of the year is the Blair Witch, and probably deservedly so. Um, it is shocking to me that you hadn't seen it when it initially came out. I know I saw it in the theater. Um, and it, it was, it's, it's lasted. It had a sequel and now it's had a reboot and there's so many mockumentaries about it. It spoofed greatly on scary movie. There's a Scooby-Doo spoof of it too. Uh, a cartoon Scooby-Doo. That's a Blair Witch spoof. It's really funny. If, if, if you get a chance, check that one out. But indeed, um, I want to thank you, sir, for being part of this 1999 showdown between Blair Witch and House on Haunted Hill. Um, yours as insightful as ever. Um, is there any way people can follow you on social media? Or you got anything coming up you want to tell people about? <laughs> no social media, please. Uh, Compidactyl.com. What's they going would, on there? Uh, oh, it's just, I don't know. Just check it out. <laughs> check it out. It's a mystery site, but you're going you're gonna to enjoy it. Click um, around. It's, it's growing by the day. And then, of course, if you want to support the podcast, please check out my novel at companydreamer.com. Um, there you can also learn about the dream recording industry. And you can purchase the novel on Amazon.com. Beyond that, I'm going to also big up Compidactyl.com and suggest you keep an ear open for the release of our third album on October 16th, um, entitled They Would Know It Was Us. Until the next time, as they say in the business, the bell has rung.